Amen, amen. You guys may be seated. So again, thank you for being with us today. My name is Walter. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm grateful to see you guys together here. It's been a really a great few weeks of coming back together and being able to sing together here inside. And I'm grateful and, and uh, really thankful for each one of you for kind of following our policies and abiding by the things we've put in place to protect one another. Uh, this is what servant leadership looks like, so serving one another in these ways. I do want to make a note uh, about tithing. Of course, uh, we are not uh, encouraging you necessarily to give physically if you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable with that, we do have our deacons who will be at the exit uh, to take a physical tithe if you would like to give. We are encouraging you to give online at homesavenue.com forward slash give. You can go online, you can give on there. Uh, also, I wanted to make a note about our Janie Chapman offering. Uh, our goal is $1,500. For this offering. Uh, we'll give you an update on exactly where we are next week, but I want to encourage you to give above and beyond just what you're giving to the church toward this offering. As a reminder, this offering supports church planting and revitalization here in the state of South Carolina. There are churches being started, churches being revitalized that are reaching people who are far from God. We want to support our sister churches in this effort, and this is something that you can give and make a difference in. So I encourage you, as you're considering giving, uh, to perhaps give a bit extra or even above and beyond what you would typically give to support this offering. Uh, so again, as I've said, I'm grateful to be with you guys. I know it's been a hectic few weeks, and thank you for being so gracious with us as Pastor Brian's been going through uh, some health issues, and uh, I've been on vacation, and, and really, I, I need to give a shout out to our deacons. What an incredible service last week, right guys? Yes, yes, you can give a round of applause for that. Those men did a tremendous job. It was a powerful time of prayer, and, and it was quite needed for us. And I, I'm proud of you guys. I'm thankful for what you guys do. Uh, we have a great group of deacons, and uh, they served us in an incredible way last week. Uh, today, we are going to begin our new three-week series titled, Thy Kingdom Come. This is our vision series. This is really as Pastor Brian and I have been praying about what is God doing at Holmes Avenue? Where are we going? What is our direction? How do we lead this church in the right place that God has taken us? This is what we've come up with. Uh, we are going to kind of talk through what God is doing in our midst, what we believe that the, the embodiment of our congregation is to be, and how we're to go from this place on mission for Jesus. There are a couple of things I want you to see. You've noticed some changes around the church over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, when you guys came into the Welcome Center, when you walked in on your left-hand side, uh, you saw this image of Pray, Equip, and Deploy up there. So there's these new canvases in there, and they've got this, these words, Pray, Equip, and Deploy up. We wanted to have visual reminders of what the vision is. You can look at these things and know that we are praying, equipped followers of Jesus being deployed on mission. That these images represent us praying, being equipped with the word, and our deployment prayerfully seeing people come to faith following by baptism. If you haven't had a chance to look at these, I encourage you uh, later today when we wrap up, if you have a moment to check in and look out there, go look at these images. These are really the best images we could find from our church to capture this vision. You've also probably noticed this mural up here as well. Uh, this was done by a local artist, Will Davis, and we're grateful for his efforts. This mural represents just a one-mile radius around our church. We call this our circle of accountability. This one-mile circle around our church is what we as a congregation, that is you and I, are committing to take responsibility for lostness in this area. 
So every man, woman, and child who lives in this area, we're committing to see them have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. Every person who lives, works, and play in this circle, we want to see them have multiple opportunities to respond to the gospel of Jesus. That our mission, our vision, we, the reason we exist is so that these people would be reached with the gospel. And finally, we've got a, a, an updated logo I want you guys to see. We wanted to put at the forefront of everything we do this idea of pray, equip, deploy. So you can see we've got our current logo up there, and then we've got these three images, the hands for prayer, the Bible for equip, and these waves representing baptism, this reason we're being deployed, that people would cross from death into life and be baptized into this faith family. That you're going to see this on pretty much everything we have, everything we do, because this is why we exist as a church. This is why God began Holmes Avenue Baptist Church, so that these things could be lived out in the Park Circle area. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk through these things and look at the Word of God to see where we're going as a faith family. Today is going to be a passage you're probably pretty familiar with if you've been praying along with us. Every day at 10.02, we pray Luke 10.2. You've seen that uh, on social media. You've heard us talk about that. And if you've been praying with us, you're probably pretty familiar with these verses we're going to be looking at. Uh, with that said, uh, here at Holmes Avenue, we do try to honor the reading of the Scriptures as God's Word by standing and reading the Word of the Lord together. So if you would, would you stand together with me as we read Luke 10 verses 1 and 2. The words of Jesus say, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you would, would you pray with me? Father, as we begin to study the scriptures today, I pray that you reveal the truth of the Scriptures to us. That the words that are said are not merely words that I've come up with or, or cute phrases or anything like that, but these would be the gospel truths that I and our people need to hear. I pray that I be removed from this equation, that I get out of the way of the work of the Spirit in this time. I pray that you move in a mighty way in our hearts so that we may see these verses and truly understand and take them to heart. Father, I pray that you move in us today. I pray that our eyes are open, that we see clearly the truth of the Scriptures. Father, we are grateful for you. We're thankful for the things that you're doing in our midst. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you guys may be seated. Now, uh, I anticipate that you guys are taking notes because that's why I come up with these fun points for you. But we've got three points today as we're looking at these two verses. And we're going to be just in these two verses today. I'll reference a few other verses. It'll be on the screen. But our first point is that we pray because we are appointed by God. We pray because we are appointed by God. Look at with verse 1 with me. I'll read it again. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now, as we begin with this passage, I wanted to really wrestle with this idea that we are appointed by God. We see here very clearly that's the exact word that Luke uses here, that we're appointed, that Jesus himself calls out these disciples and says, you people, you men and women, go. 
And so he sends these people out. He calls them. He sends them out. He commissions them as missionaries. Uh, much as we had the commissioning service for our deacons in the last few weeks of saying these men are being sent out on mission to serve our church body, in the same way we see that Jesus is commissioning these disciples to go out and be faithful missionaries for King Jesus. That they are being sent out to accomplish His purpose. That is that every square inch of this earth will be covered with people who are reflecting His glory. That is, people who have been redeemed by the gospel of Jesus, that they have been saved by His shed blood, and that everywhere, throughout all creation, there is this echoing cry of, Jesus is King. As we think about this and how this mission is going to be accomplished, I think it's important that we understand something here. So often we think about this mission, this appointing that God has given us, as something that we're to just do. Right? This is a task we have to go proclaim the gospel, to go serve the least of these. That These are actions we're going to take. But rather, this idea of mission isn't just some things that we do, but this is the core of our being. That this is, captures all that we are. That our identity is rooted in this idea of mission. That we exist to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus to those around us. Charles Spurgeon once remarked in a sermon, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That our purpose for existing as redeemed people of God is to go forth and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are far from Him. Everything we do, everything that we, we think, every day we draw breath, it is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And the truth as we think about this idea of, of prayer, praying for these people, praying for God to move in a mighty way, that we're not able to be prayerful if we don't believe this core truth. The reason we pray is so that people would encounter the gospel of Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus is telling us here. We pray because the harvest is plentiful. There are many people who do not know Him as their Lord and Savior. We pray so that those people would cross from death to life. So I would ask you today as a question for you, are you a missionary or are you an imposter? Are you a missionary or are you an imposter? This is an important question because as we think about what it means to be a missionary, if we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this means we've been commissioned as a missionary into a lost and dying world. If we trust these verses like Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If those verses capture your spiritual condition, that is, you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've called upon him and asked for forgiveness of your sins, then you and I are missionaries. We don't have a choice to make. We don't have actions to take. That is who we are. We are missionaries sent out just like these disciples. And truly, if we are being deployed on mission, we must pray. We must pray. We must pray because the mission is bigger and frankly more challenging than we could ever imagine. Jesus tells us that in his own words here. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 tells us, 
And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Here's why we must pray. We pray because the mission is urgent. If you're taking notes, this is going to be your second point. We pray because the mission is urgent. You see, Jesus expresses some key thoughts here for us, some things that we need to understand. Primarily, the main thought that he's expressing here for us is that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This means that there are many who are lost in this world, but very few are on mission to reach them. Very few are following Christ in such a way that they recognize their identity is rooted in this cause of proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Now, I want to kind of establish a definition for us. Uh, you, you heard me reference this word lost, right? Uh, that, that this idea of what does this lost mean? You see, this is someone who does not follow Jesus. This is someone who does not call Jesus their Lord and Savior. You've heard us reference these people as people who are far from God. They're not in relationship with him. They're not close to him. But lost people are people who do not trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lost people, at this point, as we think about the world, they're not living as God intended. You see, as we look back even to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, you can look in those initial few verses, and we see that as God is creating the heavens and the earth, He's creating the world, He's created us to live in a relationship with Him. That in the garden, there is this idea of an intimate relationship between God and Adam and Eve. That mankind was to walk closely with God. And what happened? We sinned. That we created a separation between us and God. That we chose to be like God rather than submitting to God. And ever since then, everything's been out of whack. Ever since then, we have been out of sorts. That we have been living out of relationship with God. That's why Jesus was necessary to come and live a perfect life, to come and die upon the cross, to pay the debt that you and I couldn't. That he came and lived this perfect life that none of us are able to and went to the cross an innocent man so that you and I may have life through his death. Now, I say all that to give some context of what loss means. Here's the key idea behind that. They're far from God. They're separated from him. When they die, they will continue that separation from God by spending eternity in hell. That I want to, to say that again. That when these people who are far from God die, they spend eternity in hell separated from Him. Maybe you think, Walter, that sounds harsh. I don't know if that's found in the Bible. I don't know if that's true. Look with me at 2 Thessalonians verses Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. He's speaking to Christians. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, he's now directing towards lost people, inflicting vengeance on those who did not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from his glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. 
You see, these are words from Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. As he's talking about that final judgment day, when Jesus returns to this earth, not as a redemptive man coming to seek and save the lost, but coming to provide justice and vengeance for the Lord. That he comes to this earth on this day, seeking to end sin and death. And that those who are not found in Christ, that is, they do not trust him as their Lord and Savior, will be condemned to eternal separation from God. That should you die, should you leave this life not trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. Now, this isn't a fire and brimstone sermon, but I want to establish something for us today. I want you to hear this truth. Real people made in the image of God will spend eternity in hell because they have not seen, heard, or responded to the gospel of Jesus. Real people that you and I know, that we're friends with, that we're neighbors with, perhaps even we live with them, will spend eternity separated from God in hell. You see, this truth should shake us to our core. Real people who have value to God and to us are on a path to hell right now. Real people whom perhaps you and I love and care about are going to spend eternity separated from God. You see, this is who Jesus is speaking about when he says the harvest is plentiful. I want you to look back up at this mural up on the screen, this one mile radius. You see, this is a circle about one mile outside of our church. And we've done a little research. We've got some help from the Charleston Baptist Association, from the state convention. And I want you guys to hear some things here. In this circle, 1,500 people live here. 1,500 people live here. In this one mile radius around our church. We're right in the center of that. That little circular green O right in the middle of it. 1,500 people live here. Based upon some estimates from the state convention, uh, they've been gracious enough to give us some information. About 72%, that is 1,080 people in this circle, are lost. <sighs> Over 1,000 people are on a trajectory to spend eternity separated from God. A thousand people made in the image of God are lost. That were the Lord to come back right now during this service, they would spend eternity in hell, separated from Him. This truth should break our hearts. This reality is not the way the Lord intended it. Yet, we that is, you and I can change their fate. No, I don't mean that we can save anyone. Please don't hear me say that. No, only the Lord can do that. He is the only one who can change people's hearts. Yet, 
we can throw this life-preserving message of the gospel to them. That we can be faithful followers of Christ, proclaim and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus to them, so that they may see, hear, and respond to the glory of God. So that they may cross from death into life. You see, I want you to hear this. I want you to believe this quote because this is why we exist. This is why Pastor Brian and I do what we do. This is why we faithfully serve you here. We want to see every man, woman, and child within this circle of accountability have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. That we want these 1,500 people, the thousand of them that are far from God, that are lost, to have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. I'll give you another quote from Charles Spurgeon that I think captures our heart, the, the, the vision we hope you hear and see. Charles Spurgeon said this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be feel, filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. That if these people are going to spend eternity separated from God, then by God's will may we spend our waking moments giving them every opportunity to go to heaven. May we spend our waking moments taking every opportunity so that these men, women, and children would have every opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus. This is why Holmes Avenue was founded here. This was the vision that we had years ago when we began this place. This is the vision that we are continuing with today so that every man, woman, and child would have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. You see, these people have value to God. Therefore, they have value to us. Our mission here at Holmes Avenue is to see these people cross from death to life. Our mission here is to see these people cross from death to life. You've heard us reference this, this idea of praying for 21. Pray for 21. You've heard this in emails. You've heard us talk about this. Let me tell you where that came from. We had our baptism service in July. It was a beautiful day of baptizing three people. What an incredible moment of seeing three people cross from death to life. When we prepared for this, we bought those t-shirts that you guys saw. Had our logo on the front. Had but God, referencing Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. And in these shirts, as we purchased them, as we were working with the t-shirt the company, they asked us how many shirts we wanted. And as we were looking at this, they said, hey, 24 is probably the best bet in terms of most bang for your buck, right? That's the most cost-effective option for you right now. We said, sure, sounds great. Now, in our ignorance, we just thought, well, that's 24 t-shirts, right? Whatever. But God in his sovereignty gave us 24 t-shirts. And as Brian and I began to realize that, that we didn't accidentally end up with these 24 t-shirts for, no, for no good reason. You see, we ended up with 24 t-shirts that God provided to us to see filled with men, women, and children who've crossed from death to life. You see, we've used three of those t-shirts already, us celebrating three people crossing from death to life. 
And this idea of pray for 21 is that we're praying for God to move in such a mighty way in our church over the next year that there would be 21 new people who've crossed from death to life filling those t-shirts. That we would see 21 people become new creations in God and celebrate them joining our faith family through baptism. So let's make it very clear what we're praying for. We are praying for God to do something in abundance, but we are praying for 21 people to be redeemed, to be brought into the family of God, to see their lives changed by the gospel. God willing, we're praying for many more, right? Like we, we want to see an awakening happen here of people cross from death to life, of the gospel to move in a mighty way. But we are praying for 21 people who are out there right now who probably are not in a church, who may be sleeping off last night's hangover to be redeemed and brought into this family. We're praying for 21 men, women, and children who maybe we don't know yet to be saved by God and His glory. That this is our vision. This is what we're, we're pushing for. That if you're a member here, this is what your priority is. That you're praying, you're pursuing these people so that they may have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. If I can just say something to you as, as a pastor and as a friend... If you're a member here and your priorities are anything else but this mission, we invite you to find a new church home. That if you're here and your priorities are anything else beyond seeing people cross from death to life, we invite you to find a new church home. We'll help you find somewhere that loves you and cares for you. But this is who we are. That we don't have the ability to have people sitting on the sidelines causing strife and disunity because they have a different vision. The vision here is clear that we exist for every man, woman, and child within this community to have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. And if that's not what your priorities are, that's okay. We love you. We're grateful for you. We do invite you to find somewhere else to worship. That's the truth of it. When you're a member here, you are saying, I'm committed to being a prayerfully equipped follower of Christ who's being deployed on mission for King Jesus. This is who we are. This is the very sum of our being. Why are we saying this? Why are we just emphasizing this mission is urgent? Because right now there are over 5 million people who live in the state of South Carolina. And 3.6 million of them are lost and going to hell. 3.6 million people in our state are lost and going to hell. Let's be very clear about this. The mission is urgent. One day Jesus is going to return. One day these people will die. And if they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will spend eternity separated from Him. And our heartbeat here... Our vision, our passion is that they would not go to the grave without hearing the gospel multiple times. Without having multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. This is why we pray. So that these people who are lost may be found. We have no time to waste. 
we must be deployed for the glory of God and the mission to which He has appointed us to. Now Jesus continues on in, in 2b and he, he tells us something further. Uh, look at me with, look with me to verse 2, the second half. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, we pray for God's will to be done. What Jesus tells us here in his very own words is that we're praying for God's will to be done in his harvest. You see, we have this word, therefore, there. And it's, it's saying that when we see therefore, we have to again understand what is it therefore, right? And as Luke is writing these words that Jesus said to them, He's saying that because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, we should pray to the Lord of heart, the harvest to fill the harvest with laborers, to multiply laborers, to provide laborers to reach those who are far from Him. We see this urgency that is established because the harvest is plentiful. We see this urgency of people are dying and going to hell. And now we have to pray for this mission. We have to pray for God's will to be done. That is for laborers to be sent out into the harvest. You see, our prayers here are not for man's will to happen in heaven, but that God's will will be done on earth. That we are praying on, on earth as it is in heaven. We want the earth to be filled with His glory. We want from all corners of the earth this cry to be echoed of Jesus is Lord. He sits upon the throne. All glory and honor to Him. This is why we pray for the harvest. This is why we pray for God to send out laborers, that is, you and I, into the harvest. Now, you, you may say, well, Walter, didn't you just say that the laborers are few? You said there are a thousand people around our church that are far from God, that are lost. You said there are 3.6 million people in this state that are lost. Now, I'm not very good at math, but you might be asking, how are we going to do this? You, you look around this room and, and you would say, hey, we've got about 50 to 60 people that are active members and attendees here in our midst, right? You might say, Walter, that's a tall task for each and every one of us. And yes, it's, it's true. That is an incredibly challenging task. And I'll be very frank with you, we cannot do it alone. That these thousand people who are around us in this one mile radius who are far from God, we probably can't reach them by ourselves. You see, we pray not only for gospel growth, but for other churches as well. This is why you've heard us pray for churches like Cooper River, Portside, Friendship, Remount, St. Andrews, and others. This is why we have partnerships with them. This is why we as pastors gather with them on a bi-weekly basis to pray for our community. You see, we need every gospel-believing church that is in this community to do this task. That we can't reach these thousand people by ourselves, but with God's grace and mercy, perhaps us partnering with these other gospel-believing churches, we can reach Park Circle. We can see our community change for the glory of God. In fact, as we're looking at this and we've got these great churches that are serving the Lord here, we truly probably need more churches to reach this community. 
This is why we support things like the Janie Chapman offering. Because this, these funds are going to start new churches in our state. That we are seeing missionaries being sent out who are reaching these people who are far from God. They're going into places that perhaps we haven't been. They're making relationships in areas that we are not in. And these people are having an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. Remember, the laborers are few. That is why we pray to the, har- to the Lord of the harvest for God to increase. We pray for God to bring more laborers out of the harvest for the glory of his name. This is why I referenced that pray for 21. We're praying for these 21 future missionaries to be deployed into the harvest. They're not believers yet. They don't trust Jesus. These are people who perhaps are sleeping off last night's mistakes. Yet we are praying for God to move in their lives in such a mighty way that the gospel takes root and their hearts and minds are changed by the power and beauty of the gospel. So that we may see them cross from death to life. So that we may baptize them into our faith family and see them deployed as missionaries into a lost and dying world. That this is the vision that we have. This is what we're praying for. We pray so that these people may cross from death to life. We pray these things because this is God's harvest. That he has told us that if indeed we care about this harvest, we should pray for him to raise up more laborers. That is, as we faithfully proclaim this gospel message uh, that there is redemption to be found, there is hope to be brought to this life, that people would cross from death to life. You see, all these things are in His control. And we're able to rest with confidence that He will provide fruitfulness together to pair with our faithfulness. What we control, what we can do, is to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus to every man, woman, and child within this community. What we can do is proclaim the good news of the gospel to those that we love. What we can do is proclaim the good news of the gospel to our friends, our family, and our neighbors. And we trust in doing so that if we are faithful to proclaim this gospel message, God will be faithful to provide fruitfulness. That we will see people cross from death to life. That as we share this gospel message and invite them to respond, God will move in their hearts and change their lives. So as we're, we're praying, as we're praying for God to move in our midst, how do we take part as laborers in God's harvest? What, what do we do right now? If we're convicted by these truths, what is our response today? Well, Pastor Brian's going to cover deploy for us in a few weeks, and he'll talk through some, some actual task of how we're to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. He'll talk through this idea of how we're to be deployed and what we're going to do and how we're going to engage with those that are far from him. Yet there are some things we can do right now. There are some places and things we can go, some things we can pray so that every man, woman, child would have multiple opportunities to see and respond to the gospel. You see, I've got five things for you. If you're taking notes, five things I want you to consider doing consider praying about over the next week. I'd love to hear what is most 
convicting to you? Which one you want to be a part of? Which one you're saying, hey, this is where I want to focus my time, effort, and energy? First, everyone should do this. Everyone can do this. Pray for 21. Pray for 21 more people to come to faith in Jesus. Pray for 21 people to cross from death to life. Pray for 21 more people to receive the gospel message that you and I have. Two, develop relationships with people in our community. Get to know the people that live in this one mile radius. This is one of the things that I love about doing the spaghetti dinners. Ed got rid of me out of the kitchen. He didn't like how I was cooking the noodles. <laughs> Ask him about it. But that was a, a real gift. Let me tell you why. Because I get to stand out there in that drive through line and wave at people and talk to them and get to know them and get to know our neighbors along these streets right here. I get to walk to the houses and knock on their doors and they don't go, who are you? They go, hey, Walter, how are you? That I, I get the opportunity to develop relationships with people in our community. Pray about that. Pray that God would give you opportunity to develop those relationships. If you're saying you don't know how, then come to the spaghetti dinner. I'll make sure we introduce you to some people. You'll get to know some people by the end of the night. The third thing you can do is to prayer walk in our community. That as we look around this area, a thousand people are in desperate need of the gospel of Christ. They live next door. They live a few blocks down. They live right across from our church. Wherever they are, we want to be praying for them. And so as you have time, perhaps you're like our family and we walk after dinner sometimes. When you walk, pray for these people. Perhaps you have neighbors that you know are far from God. Pray for them. And then if I can give you a little push, do the crazy thing of telling them, Hey, Jim Bob, I'm praying for you. Take a risk and tell them that you're praying for God to move in their life. Four, assist in activities in our community. There are so many things happening here in this area. There are so many different events and different things that we can be a part of. We sponsor a Little League team every year. Go to the games. Be a team mom. We're a part of the Christmas parade every year. Go be a part of those things. Go volunteer for trash pickup. We don't necessarily care about picking up trash, but we care about the people who are picking up the trash. Root yourselves in this community. Develop those relationships. And last, certainly not least though, is disciple laborers right here in our congregation. See, this is one that I'm particularly passionate about, is that we would have men pairing with men and women pairing with women, discipling one another, encouraging them, seeing them grow and thrive in the Lord. That my prayer is that every single member of our church is paired up with someone who may be just a step or two ahead of them in the faith but are having opportunity to be encouraged and grow together. You see, we see that Jesus sends people out two by two. You're not meant to walk this life alone. You're not meant to try and endure this life by yourselves. 
We need faithful brothers and sisters together with us to encourage us, to call out sin in our lives, and to see us grow and thrive in the Lord. Perhaps you're here and you're a member or you're just simply a friend and you say, I don't have that in my life. I would love to talk to you afterwards and talk about whom perhaps can connect with you. What we can do to see you encouraged and grow in the Lord. I know that right now things are a bit different with this current thing called the coronavirus. Maybe you've heard of it at this point. And things are more complicated. I know. But that doesn't mean that there aren't incredible tools and resources at our fingertips that we can encourage one another with, that we can grow together with. And so if you're, if you're interested in those things, if you want to partner with someone, I would love to talk to you about those things. At this time, our band's going to come back up and lead us in one final song here. And I really, as we're moving into this time of reflection and prayer and, and worship together, I want you guys to take an opportunity to hear this truth. That God cares about the harvest. He cares about those that are His children. Yes, we know that. But He cares about those that are far from Him. And as we have our time of reflection and prayer, what I want you to do is to wrestle with yourself, to look at your heart and ask this question. Have I been rescued from the harvest? Have I been redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Have I been made a new creation that is found in Him? If you have been, then to God be the glory. As we pray, pray for God to continue to bless you, to care for you, to see you grow and thrive in Him. If the answer is no and you say, I don't think that I am, I'm not sure. How do you even tell? One, pray to God. Because there is one prayer we know He always answers, and that is a prayer crying out for salvation and redemption. But two, come speak to me. That we can talk about what God is doing in your life. That we can share how you can see the fruits of the Spirit in your life and how you perhaps can have an inkling of what God is doing. As we move into this time of prayer, I want to leave you with a few verses. Just a few short verses for you to look at. Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting in that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the words of the Lord right here would say, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That for those of you that are found in Christ, you've received this free gift and you will spend your eternity with Christ. For those of you that perhaps would say, I haven't trusted in Him. Today is an opportunity for you to cry out to God and receive this free gift of eternal life by confessing your sins, turning away from your sinful past, and trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
If you're watching online, we are able to connect with you. You can go to homesavenue.com forward slash contact. Comment on the page. Send us a message. If you're here, you can come speak to me and we can talk about what God is doing. But as we pray together, I pray that you would have received the free gift of God, this eternal life in Christ Jesus. I pray that if you're here and you're not sure about your position before Him, that you would cry out to Him and trust in this eternal life, this gift from God. If you would, we're going to have a few moments of quiet prayer, and I'll close us in a corporate time of prayer. Would you bow your heads with me?